0: This is the Canuck Central post-game show.
1: Quickly to center onto the right wing for Dubois. Trying to get around Lazar to the front of the goal back and pass it to the slot for Connor. He scores. Kyle Connor in the middle of the ice with a clean wrist shot that beats Spencer Martin and the Jets get a power play goal. Passes over to the right circle for Perfetti. That's the line for Dylan. Left point. Pionk, one timer, he scores. A cannon from Neil Pionk at the left point.
0: With the instant reaction from the players and coaches.
1: Sandberg. He'll fire it up the right way for Janssen. Fjallby into the Vancouver zone. Shoots. He scores. Axel Janssen Fjallby with a hard wrist shot off the right wing in transition. Beats Spencer Martin to make it
0: 5-0. Jets. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Canucks with another lackluster loss on home ice. Their record on home ice, 5-8-1 on the season. Paying customers not too happy tonight. A jersey on the ice in the dying seconds. Another 5-1 loss at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Biknasar. And get your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit those coming up in a second. We'll hear from head coach Bruce Boudreau as soon as that becomes available. But before we get to all that and all our takes, let's welcome in... Color man on the broadcast alongside Brendan Bachelor's call, former NHLer, former Vancouver Giant, our good friend, Brett Festerling. And, Brett, you know, we're just kind of joking off air beforehand. Like, not too many good performances on home ice here with you calling the game. I know I was, I was sick <laughs> last Saturday. We had a couple wins. We had a couple wins, but last Saturday I was sick. How close was this game in resemblance, though, to that game against the Minnesota Wild on the weekend? Not a lot much going on for the Canucks. The other team just kind of snuffed the game out. And just not a lot there for the Canucks this evening, despite getting that one goal in the end.
3: Yeah, I'd say it's it was similar on the speed front, right? Yeah. Like Minnesota really had that speed down the walls, and they they assumed the pucks were going to get mm-hmm. moved ahead in advance, and that they were able to use that their advantage. Winnipeg took that to another level tonight. It seemed like I like I don't know if their guys were super fast, but the way they played, mm-hmm. every chip, every movement, it was that you would see a D man almost just kind of lackluster in his own zone, he would fire it up off the wall. It would be a chip. A guy knew it was there, and then he would do a blind pass over to Connor who would get a scoring opportunity. So it was it was very fast from the 200-foot game for them was really fast.
4: It's what we talked about in the first intermission, too. It's even the opportunities when the Canucks gained the zone, it would be slow through the neutral zone, and then two stationary wingers while the puck carrier comes in. Now the puck carrier is like, well there's no speed What am I supposed to do And just fling it around And hope you start this Cycle off of it But then you got to win Two board battles over there And everyone's back And it There's never any Sync play When the Canucks Do anything really right now it's, yeah. it's a lot of individual plays And even on the dump-ins Too often it's like Should I hard-rim this one Should I put it off A guy's stick And it's all broken together And, and it's, it's hard to, to To see that Especially against The Jets As you pointed out It's like Everything's working in concert With each other And it's, it's tough to, to build anything off of that.
3: Yeah, it looks like the Canucks are doing exactly that. They're seeing a rim, yeah. and they're going, do I pass this? Do I chip this? Mm. Do I? They're thinking, right? Whereas you saw Winnipeg, it didn't look like they had to think at all. It was chip here, and then this guy was mm-hmm. putting it to the middle, and then that guy knew it was going to the net. Even the rims. They were rimming a lot in there, in their own zone, as breakouts. Yeah, and they just knew, hey, this was a chip. The far side Center was guy was coming speed. under, yeah. and the far guy was going speed. So they just they knew that was happening, and they just trusted the process of that 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 was going to happen.
2: Well, it really wasn't a. a uh, it was a pretty simple game plan from Winnipeg. And I thought Winnipeg really didn't do much. I think essentially what Winnipeg did was, to to your point, try to expose, try, create some speed, but let the Canucks make mistakes and hurt themselves. That's essentially what happened tonight. I mean, even yeah. even on the goals. Uh, the Kyle Connor goal, it is on the power play, off of a rush. But I mean, Ethan Bear takes the inside lane, opens up the middle of the ice. You stay in the middle of the ice. That pass doesn't come across to Connor. Maybe you don't score. I mean, the one goal comes off the face off, goes through. I mean, what are you going to do about that one? Yeah. The one I had the biggest problem with, the three nothing goal, was probably the one where Bo gets out of the way of the shot. As a defenseman on that, what's the best thing to do? Is it better for you to try to block that shot, get out of the way, or do you have to make that decision before the shot comes off the stick?
3: Yeah, Bo's in that weird gray zone. Yeah. You know, it's it's like one of those where you're like, oh, I'm, he's too far back, where one, it's going to really hurt when he gets hit. Right. And two, it, it's a tough angle for him to actually front because there's just too many reactions he has to do instead of being big kind of four or five right. feet out. So his thought process is like, let Martin see this puck. It just comes that fraction second too late, and then it looks like he's bailing out last second. Right. It, it, Martin doesn't see a thing.
4: Is there a difference then? Choosing which way he pivots Because I, I had a problem which way he pivoted Because Martin's got to cover more ground going to the outside Rather than if Bo pivoted the other way Yeah I,
3: I like So I'll equate it to a PK Where you're running the half ball I like to cut or defensemen would normally try to cut That far post off So right. the way Bo went it. But that's when yeah. They know and Martin knows Hey I'm going to cut off the far so you can get over And be aggressive on the tight side Right. I'll block anything that comes, that says it's going to go far, cheese, I'll take it in the <laughs> chest kind of thing. Right. But that's if they have already kind of pre-discussed that and Those they are know the that's rules. the wavelength yeah. they're on. Yeah, Right.
2: Well, And it's hard to know exactly, but to your point, I mean – there wasn't a lot that Winnipeg was really trying to do I thought I thought they were just stayed. They maintained their structure didn't even make a lot of mistakes clogged up the neutral zone for the most part Canucks made enough mistakes for the Jets to capitalize that to me was kind of the story of how this game unfolded and that's the problem with this Canucks team when they play teams with structure they don't have the discipline to maintain their own structure and they can't play a boring game Like this should have been a one nothing zero zero game for about forty minutes, and then we see where it goes. And instead, it's blowing wide open before you get to the third. Yeah,
3: but I mean, I would give one a big credit on this. Yeah, they, they've sure. had a lot of success in this. But you're right; they're not. They're really good at simple, yeah, structured hockey. They, they did nothing crazy out of the ordinary systems or breakouts or power plays. It was really simple. It was way more chips compared to like the mo- more like, kind of skilled teams you see, especially in this era. Like they didn't really. They weren't toe-dragging through the neutral zone and taking it back and stuff. They really moved it ahead. They had so many chips, so many rims, but yet they use it to their advantage somehow, which is not something you see regularly right now in the NHL. It
4: it felt really patient Mm. constantly. Like, even the fourth goal, it's two guys at the top of their own circles and it's like, yeah, we'll just break this out really, really easily. And Gagne is going to be there on the weak side eventually to convert this chance. But even when the Canucks were trying to break out, it was just we'll put an arm's length on the on the winger, and as he comes back to support the puck, we'll just force them back. And there's so many times in that second and third, the Canucks' demon would get the puck out to Joshua Garland. I, I'm just naming wingers here, yeah. not trying to pick on anyone. But then the puck would be back in the zone because. They're being forced back up the ice and just letting them repel everything that was in front of them. Nothing got behind them either.
3: Oh, every Canuck felt like there was a Winnipeg jet in their yeah. pocket. The one shift there, I, I think it was Gustafson that was uh, maybe checking Stillman in front. The Winnipeg changed all four guys while the one guy was fortunate. It just showed like how kind of relentless they were and on top of it, where the other guys changed one by one and got all four of them out.
4: So details like that, like just line changes...
3: Yeah, I don't know where you're how, going with
4: this. How, <laughs> like, how much of an impact do we avoid talking about that that, that sort of stuff can can play into? Because I, I watched Winnipeg tonight, and everything just looked yeah. crisp. And you watch the Canucks, as we do, 82 times. There's a lot of slow line changes.
3: Yeah, so I'll tell you a story. Uh, when we won the Mem Cup for the Giants... Don Hay, he, we would watch video. He would pause and play guys just to show everybody, embarrassing or not, how hard they're changing. And guys like Milan Lucic and Spencer Mahachuk would change. Full, like The fastest they skated all night would change. We go back for the 10-year anniversary, and we we're supposed to be having fun. And you know what Don Hay talks about? The line changes. How fast. But it's those little yeah. details yeah. that everybody bought into that was just pounded into our head. And that's when you get teams that are just automatic. They don't have to think. And Winnipeg, like you said, it should have been a 0-0 for 40 minutes. Winnipeg knows, hey, if we play like this for 60 minutes, yeah. there's not a lot of teams that are going to have the structure and the patience to play like this for 60 minutes. And if we win one nothing, we don't care. We'll get the win. So good on them for that.
2: Well, absolutely. Give the Jets credit. I mean, you talk about Canucks injuries, no Nikolai Ehlers, no Blake Wheeler, no Nate Schmidt. And they still played a clean game. Vancouver, a few players missing, but a lot different, of course. I mean, if we're trying to, and I'm not trying to be negative, I'm, I'm genuinely asking is there something to take from this game at all, individually, from somebody, or something the Canucks did that you look at and say on the board, like this is something you can break down? Because my point about the Saturday game, at least, and I wasn't here watching on TV at home, was at least Kuzmenko was a catalyst that on, on his own line. And you're like, you can build that out of something. I don't know what, what you can tangibly point to tonight.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe don't put Miller in the middle again. I yeah, don't know. I he didn't. Fe- he didn't look very comfortable no. in the middle, or he didn't mm-hmm. look. I don't know if you want to call confident. He definitely looked frustrated uh, in that role. So I mean, but that's how he always looks. <laughs> yeah, and then then you could probably put him on some of those line changes too. But yeah. Um, yeah, he's definitely frustrated. I don't know what you can take out of that. I didn't mind. There was there was parts of. Um, Bear and Quinn that I have liked In the last two games just because of Bear's ability to skate I think he could have made some Better plays in terms of breaking out But I think that's more of Winnipeg being in the back pocket tonight.
4: Is there a fear at some point Like these burn the tape games Yeah, One of them just breaks the back And, and that's the season Because we're, we're talking to a team that Just slipped under 500 again They've managed to get mm-hmm. back to 500 Through that early 7 game stretch Where it was so bad I just wonder if if this keeps happening, right? This is another 5-1 loss at home ice. It's the fourth one this year. At some point, does this go, look, we're just not going to do it?
3: Yeah, I mean, maybe you're getting to a point halfway in the season where you need to be, if you look just stats, and I don't know what the stats are, but, like, you need to be a certain place. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you probably need a certain confidence from your brass that Mm -hmm. this is a team that can do it, or else we need to make moves while we can. Probably. I'm not sure where they are on that but yeah there there is probably a moment in the season that's coming up not too far away
2: Is maybe the biggest storyline how important Leas Patterson is to this team when he's not playing
3: Well he's very important. Yeah. He's very he's huge down the middle. Yeah. I think another storyline might be they probably need more I don't want to say defensive minded but a forward that can log those type of defensive or defensive minutes? center, yeah. at the very
2: least, right? Or just,
3: I don't even know if you need to go defensive center. It's just more, if you watch a team like Boston mm-hmm. or Tampa and you just watch how they come and support D-men on this, from a center's perspective, low, and they're just in the right positions, Peterson do, does that. A lot of the other centers don't, mm-hmm. and I think that's a glaring kind of weakness with the Canucks. They just seem to get, there's a little... Between their D and their center Or their low forward Is what it really should be But There is kind of Miscommunication there And a lot of opportunities Against for that
4: Just feels like it. Just For a team that already Isn't physically fast Like Missing out on gaps like that Just Clogs everything up Through Trying to generate Any sort of speed Yeah exactly You just, Yeah you, I mean you said it perfect There was two moments Through this game Where Kuzmenko did like A drop pass in the In the neutral zone And someone Was playing fast It's like Well there you go, and yet Winnipeg was like time and time again. They're just able to find that hook play, and someone's skating fast into stationary players. Whereas like the Canucks, it just it, it, a moment like that in the in the defensive zone, just trying to get your 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 low forward involved, just always seems like such a struggle. And I, I just like don't know how you're going to create the speed.
3: Yeah, exactly. And there's a recognition there, and yeah, generating that speed, where even the where even like a winger can fill in. You know what I mean? Where you can cheat a bit, but the winger recognizes, "Hey, I'll fill this defensive spot and let him go." Where you kind of give a a different look for for the opposing D man. But yeah, I'm I'm on board with what you're saying. Uh, Before we let you
2: go, Brett, uh, on just a player I wanted to ask about Josh Morrissey. He's a type of player on the on the Jets team we've seen for many years be a really good defensive defenseman. This year, he's taken another step, and we saw him getting you know uh, more on the board here tonight as well. What do you see about a guy like him that's just so complete in how he plays right now? Like, has he taken that step to becoming like one of the top end defensemen? Because it seems like he does everything well now.
3: Yeah, I would. I like especially the way the games changed, yeah. like with guys like McCarr and Hughes and those kind of guys. He's he's elevated. He's got to be. I would say he's top ten at least. And then just he's so smooth about it. He doesn't really see. He reminds me of like. Hughes, but like the i when I played with Niedermeyer, it was the same way, right like the way they skate and the way they play they just don't even when there's a block shot or they get picked or something they don't really seem in danger. they just kind of have that ability to smooth, get back in the play, take it off. He did a couple things on the blue line tonight that he made look so easy that would make me absolutely shiver like he mm-hmm. did a couple pumps backhand spins on the blue line like what i yeah. wouldn't I would have never even thought <laughs> <laughs> he like granted we're granted' talking about one of the best men in the league. But, yeah, he I think yeah. he's almost underrated as mm-hmm. a top 10 D-man in the league, and people don't talk about him enough.
2: I think he's really put himself in that discussion so far this year with how he's played. He's Brett Fresterling. Brett, fantastic work, man. We always love having you on the post-game show. Hopefully next time we have you on, we'll – We'll be talking about a Canucks victory or more positive things to say about the home. Yeah. Team. I would love that. that. would be fun to do <laughs> yeah. definitely five, eight and one. Now the Canucks home record after the latest, latest loss. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. He's Brett Frestling calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor here tonight on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it is Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. We are going to get to uh, some of your reaction coming up in a second. We'll hear from head coach Bruce Boudreau. As soon as that becomes available for you, uh, in a few minutes time. And you know, one of the things I'm, I'm seeing a lot of on this text inbox, uh, is just about you know how these players have played tonight, and you know people are really pointing towards Patrick Alvin, who's going to be on Hockey Night in Canada uh, coming up in a few minutes' time as well. And we hear what he has to say alongside Scott Oak. We'll we'll play play all the audio that is pertinent coming up in a few minutes. And you know. Uh, there's a lot of text here in terms of like maybe some positives. Trucker James says Peterson did not look out of place, and my reaction to that is yeah, he was just as ineffective as as anybody, <laughs> everybody else. Like he fit right in with how these guys play here. Like that's that was my reaction to it from how these guys. Like I, I honestly, Bick, like I, I, I'd be I, hard I,
4: pressed to take anything away from this game for someone like Lane Peterson. Yeah, right? you're, just, you're thrown into the spot, playing with Nils Hoagland or Sheldon Dries, and it's like yeah, go figure it out. Like, I, I'm. Like, I mean, I, I I'm honestly. I'm, I'm being as honest as I
2: can here about this. There's nothing redeeming about this game you can take away. Like I, I there's not not a single redeeming take I can have about this game tonight. Uh
4: they won 58% of the faceoffs? Sure. Great. Uh, fifteen of six, or sorry, fifteen and six for Bo Horvat in the draw.
2: Good. I mean, Bo got another goal in a game he wasn't all that great in. But hey, it's like I saw Ian McIntyre text it out. Canucks lose, and Bo Horvat increases his value even more. It's like a double whammy
4: on it. I mean, that's kind of the perfect game. I guess so. Up the value if if, if you're in a rebuild, anyways, right? This is a uh, perfect result. A goal, adding twenty three now. Sorry, twenty two on the season. Yeah. And you improved your uh, lottery odds.
2: So, how many times have we seen jerseys on the ice and home ice so far? We saw the first game. This is second. Like this is the second or third time. There's another game. I, I think thought. this is the third. I believe it's the third time. It's at least two.
4: Yeah, someone can text in. And I can't. The thing is, like after the first one, I I, I stop keeping track. Right, and I can't even blame fans for like, but. These are really bad home
2: performances. Mm-hmm. Like, really bad home performances. It's one thing. We, we always talk about this. Like, hey, if you go on the road and stink it up, stink it up on the road, show up in front of your home fans, at least play with fire, f- play with, you know, some, some motivation. How many listless home performances has this team had?
4: The last, like, real – again, there's been entertaining games at home. Obviously, Montreal and all that sort of stuff. They're down 4 nothing. Yeah. But the last, like, solid win on home ice – I could argue was November eighteenth, so over a month ago. That was against the Kings, four-one. Now the Vegas game—oh, actually the, they lost the Vegas game at home. so the, they won the one on the road. Yeah. So yeah, honestly, it's November eighteenth and November third against Anaheim, where they won eight-five. Yeah. And even that, it's like you give up five goals to Anaheim.
2: Yeah. And it wasn't a clean game, but hey, at least you won the game. You can you can yeah. call it entertaining.
4: This was an entertaining. I mean, for Jets fans here, they were entertained. But this is a stretch we talked about. It's like okay, you got through the the Arizona, Montreal, San Jose part. Like at the beginning of December, we said that stretch you probably get some wins. They got three wins again. They they weren't fancy, uh, but now this back of December was going to get tougher. Winnipeg, St. Louis, Seattle, Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg again uh, at the back end of the month. Calgary again, Islanders, Colorado, Winnipeg, Pittsburgh, Tampa, Florida, Carolina, Tampa, Colorado. They've had their easy part of the schedule sat so far this season, mm-hmm. and they've their one game un, under 500 now. Yes, it's going to get tougher. And this is the thing: it's like fans have wanted One Direction, and for the people that were pro rebuild, it's like, don't worry. Like they haven't exactly shown a lot that they're gonna start flying off on on a bunch of wins here. Like the tough part of their schedule is still on the way here. It is, and. I guess you
2: can look at it as as a positive if you want. If you want the team to get a high draft pick and you want the tank to ensue, so to speak, then hey, well, maybe that's tank. what you want. Like,
4: I've, I've used the term losing naturally,
2: earning your losses. Yeah, I mean the Canucks have been full value for the losses. But
4: for for all the Canucks they, haven't
2: earned many victories, but man, have they earned their losses? For this all season.
4: the concern, it's like, well, they won eight of the last twelve. It's like, okay, they have the eighth best lottery odds right now. This is them playing well, by the way. Yeah. There could be a version where it gets worse. We haven't even seen, again, we saw it for seven games. But if you are a tankist and you want them to you know, be in the lottery odds, they're playing, they're getting results, and they're a game below 500. It, it hasn't been swimming through 30 games here. No. There, no, it really hasn't. There's another, like we've talked about this too, that they're they're volatile. They're going to go 0-7 and they'll go 8-12. Like there, there's going to be another volatile losing streak at some point. Just like when they were zero seven, we said there's there going to be a winning streak at some point. That's what this team is at this stage.
2: They're five. They're just under five hundred right now. Mm-hmm. That's what, what what they are. And yeah, I mean, they had one four of their last five heading into this game. Now four of their last six.
4: But and now, Nashville's got a game in hand. Ariz like Arizona, is sneakily. Close to Vancouver. Yeah, and that's not a good hockey team. But you know what they do, actually? They they play hard. They work hard. They
2: work hard. They defend. They try to defend, at the very least. Something you can't say about this Canucks team, at least not effe- effe- effectively so far this season. A lot of reaction on the Texan inbox. Uh, the Canucks are One Direction split up and never getting back together. That's oh, no that's sad.
4: One that's Direction.
2: <laughs> You're a One Direction fan? No. no.
4: Just, <laughs> I, I could name you three One Direction songs.
2: Uh, Tristan from Poco I have season tickets And I've been to nine games this season They have lost every single game I've been to Rough That's rough Tristan 5-8-1 yeah, I mean they have nine losses on home ice And Tristan's been to every single one of
4: them I mean That's rough That's yeah, man. shocking luck But you can just go through it Okay Winnipeg tonight Minnesota last Saturday uh, Montreal, Arizona uh, Those were nice Fun Energetic wins but, like, their losses are bad losses. Florida, Washington, listless. Vegas we talked about. Uh, Anaheim, where you had a lead, and they were just like, yeah, we'll, we'll come back. Don't worry about yeah. it. Uh, New Jersey, another five-goal performance on home ice. Buffalo put up five goals on on home ice.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, somebody texted an unsigned and said, Bruce from Whitehorse, how do they play so much better on the road? They are better on the road, but they're 8-6-2 on the road. They're two games over 500. They're four points over 500 on the road. So it's not even like they're great on the road. They're better on the road, but it's just marginally being, you know, a few points over 500. It's not, it's not great, you know. But yes, it hasn't been fantastic on home ice. A lot of reaction on the text in the inbox. 650, 650. Um, Marcus and Gibson's Vancouver Canucks where face-offs, win championships. A little tongue in cheek because they don't. Mm-hmm. Ryan and Shemanes high satin bit. Canucks are still stumbling, fumbling and bumbling. Bruce, where is it? Ryan and Shimanos texting in. And Jazzy, great game. 10 out of 10 performance. Dripping in sarcasm.
4: Uh, this one, why didn't they pull Martin and give Colin Delia a chance to get some time? I said the same thing. Uh, After the fifth goal, I mean, with 12 minutes to go, it, like, the, the, the time to do it it's was. It's over. doesn't matter at that yeah, point. Yeah, the, the time to do it was in the second uh, intermission. Uh, if, you were, if there was ever a moment, that was it. But, like, honestly. Yeah, I know. You, you know when we talked about. Bruce, not pulling the goalie. Didn't think they earned the opportunity to go score a goal. Did they even earn the opportunity to get jolted? With the goalie change?
2: Probably not. I mean, we'll hear from Boudreaux after the game. I'm sure he'll say something along those lines. Brandon and Poco. Well, that was two and a half hours of my life that I can't get back. But, hey, we have a couple hours to break it all down, so stick with us here, Brandon. Bernie from Kelowna. Another feeble effort and all on behalf of this Canucks team. I'm thinking the fans have had enough of this. Another jersey on the ice pretty much says it all, Sat. That's Bernie from Kelowna. And Bernie's right. I mean, Bernie texts in and, and watches the team all the time. And mm-hmm. I know I've talked to Bernie a lot and he used to play the game himself. And he gets super frustrated with... The, these types of performances, because these are details things that we're seeing this season, right? And we talked to Brett about it as well, and it's, it's one thing to lose. It's one thing to not look good, but it's another thing to play like y- you don't have the habits of an NHL team. And that's the most frustrating, bewildering part of what you're seeing from this team. It's like you're not even doing the basic things right. And I refuse to believe, Bick, that these players are incapable of being on the right side of the puck. They're in the National Hockey League.
4: Look, Seth, we were talking about line changes.
2: Yeah, you can skate you do, hard to a line change. That's not like you don't have you don't figure that there, out in the there, national hockey. League. There is League.
4: nothing that the other team is doing to deceive you to to change hard. Yeah, it's no. just are you willing to get there? And this isn't a this year problem, by the way. This is a multi year problem, and I would argue the two biggest culprits of it are J T Miller and Bo Horvat. They don't go to the bench hard. No, they don't. Ever. They don't
2: they, they never skate hard. To, you and know we're,
4: not, who, we're not even talking about back checking. And then in the second period, the Anthony Sorelli is going to get his first. Days. Yeah, you're right. It's only his first, but he's only played, this is his seventh yeah, game of the season. So, Tampa yeah. wins this one 5
2: 1. There's Marty St. Louis game. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people are asking for James. This text
5: unsigned. Uh, well, I, mean, I think staying
6: patient. Um,
5: rebuild is not necessary. Reporting, is important, but I think the truth
2: fans aren't
7: stupid, to that process
5: is, is,
2: is,
7: is
5: probably more important. Getting so, set to you know, we have to
2: United, Canada, and
5: to look at where has to say about we can of the be better,
2: we'll be back to you net, discussing know, and uh, the keep building. But the truth is everything. Yeah, get to growing pains
8: text. for yeah. the yeah, Habs, right? And,
1: yeah. and Suzuki uh, scored the lone goal to tonight, but court. that was his first in the get last six. So things were really good for the Habs early, and they were this exciting team, and there was a ton of progress, and they in all these games. And now here comes the slide. So we'll see how they handle that. That's part of the process. It's not all hey, going to be Good like that, buddy. right? It's going to be like Elliot, like great, big dips great. and little you know ups like, and then big really dips. The <laughs> hey Elliot, so happy much. Hanukkah. Tomorrow game, uh, at nightfall, like, the, the eight-day celebration continues. Last last continues. To like little like drummer boy, like Bob Seeger can you enjoy your Christmas? <laughs> What's <you're gonna> <laughs> your going to be your go-to Christmas during Go-to Christmas.
8: Something Michael Bublé. Good, Michael Bublé will do and I'll have still Enrico Caruso only night.
1: Patrick Alvine has joined us. Thank you and Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all from us in Toronto.
9: Scott, to you at Rogers.
3: Thank Thank you very much. Yes, pleased to have the general manager of the like, Vancouver Canucks, know, Patrick Alveen, as like, our guest on After
9: Hours. This is when I don't we mind say like you join really us under less than ideal circumstances, have, given, given the result tonight. To we tonight. Uh, to
2: rebuild, try to lighten the mood
9: here a bit before we start. Really before mind. we get to the Canucks' current events, and there are many of them, including a tough loss tonight, I want to take a quick look back on your playing career. You have said it was less than distinguished. In fact, you've called yourself a dirty player, but you've not been forgotten, uh, Patrick, because we have found this for sale online. a Patrick Alvin, Pensacola Ice, Ice Pirate Rare Inaugural 96-97 East Coast League card for 99 pence. So as a guy in the UK selling this, that's about a pound. It's 60 Canadian, I think. Shipping, though, is one pound 50, so it costs more to ship it than to buy it good deal patrick oh I, it looks like the price goes go, going up for christmas <laughs> all right we must turn our attention to what happened here tonight the second straight saturday night in which the canucks have suffered a dispirited loss john
7: well i'd look at it as the start again and uh, patrick i know that uh, you guys have tried to address the starts especially at home and uh, the Canucks say three shots on goal in the first period and uh, season low after the game on Wednesday. And I know that time off and Christmas and all that kind of stuff, it's hard to play the home games at Christmas. So many distractions, but uh, it must be
0: disappointing for the management group to watch the first period. Yeah. I I thought we uh, came out uh, really flat there today. Uh, We weren't ready to play. Um, disappointed uh there was no life no juice in our game from the start there so definitely disappointing performance here all right patrick let's
9: get to what's in front of you as general manager of the canucks Uh, three important players coming up on unrestricted free agency and one whose agent has been told he can shop him so it's clear that not all of horvat kuzmenko shen and besser will remain canucks how do you view the challenge of sorting this puzzle out to the canucks advantage
0: well, um, you know, starting the season here, I, I believe we were uh, one of the f- six youngest team uh, going into the league here. And uh, yeah, we, we were aware of uh, um, our goal, our vision here was to, to bring in uh, some youth to our, uh, to our organization. Um, we were able to, to add a couple of players here uh, as we were going on here with, with Be- Ethan Beer and uh, Riley Stillman. Um, I think there is a lot of uh, good things from our younger players in um, Stunika, Amon, Joshua, um, Kuzmenko has been uh, playing pretty well here too. But, um, you know, definitely uh, uh, challenging for all teams uh, with UFAs and and, uh, mainly the flat cap here. Well,
9: so clearly you cannot share with us the specifics of negotiations with any player, but it got out this week that Bo Horvat has rejected the Canucks' latest offer, and now um, he's in trade mode. Can anything salvage Horvat's time as a Canuck?
0: Yeah, I, I mean uh, I have a lot of respect for for Bo Horvat as, as a player and a person here, and, and Bo knows where where we stand and. Uh, um, he's been very good, very professional, uh, playing very hard every night. Uh, um, so far, individual points has been very good for him. And, and uh, you know, anything can happen here. And, and we still have uh, uh, conversations.
9: So you're on that topic. Braden Ursel asks a much more direct question.
0: Is this really your final offer to Bo Horvath? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You know what? We're, we're, still, we're still talking. I, I had a meeting with Bo here in Calgary. And... Uh, um you know we know where we stand and, and uh, he knows the situation here and uh we'll see what what's uh what happened here uh in the next couple of weeks months
9: brock besser has had a difficult year and his agent has been given permission to explore trade possibilities with other teams in your mind what is the best case scenario for brock besser
0: well i think brock besser is a good hockey player and uh Brock has never asked to uh, not play for Vancouver. He he loves it here. He wants to be here. Uh, he's still 25 years old, I believe. He's a he's a he's a good hockey player. Uh, he had a tough um, off season here with his with his dad passing away. Uh, he was he was dealing with uh, illness here um, this week was the reason he didn't play here tonight and uh i don't know uh, where you guys get all the information about uh his agent uh uh getting uh uh, allowing to talk to other teams but uh as as far as i but that is true right i don't know who said that (laughs) (laughs) i have never (laughs) said it (laughs) (laughs) so uh. all right
9: Um, the r word you've got two to choose from here retool or rebuild where do you stand on both
0: um, i think as a as a team in in today 's world you you're always uh building um you know you 're never never satisfied you always brick by brick and and when you 're actually winning, you start building again so um i don't uh, uh you know we're not we i guess we are just continue to build here, and as i said Jim, when Jim and I came in here um there was a lot of good young pieces here on the team and we want to continue to add uh, uh younger players uh, preferably 25 and younger and uh, i think we've been able to do so at this point and it takes time
7: well you look at buffalo and to me teams like buffalo and that that did go and just say okay we're rebuilt and they don't make the playoffs three years in a row and you just you say you really want to do that i know that the fans and i'm a fan now too but as a, a former player nobody wants to be involved in that and even the young guys when they come in and you get first round pick Edmonton all those years, first round pick first overall pick all those years and you still miss the playoffs and then those young guys are gone before you even get the rebuild going uh, Patrick,
9: before you go any further, is there an assistant GM's job available <laughs> for John here? <Garrett? laughs>
7: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a hockey card that yeah. says that. Yeah.
9: Is it now assistant GM? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's a question from uh, the, the handle is Rutherford's First Christmas, but it's a reasonable question. Do you and current management group still see this team as one on the rise or has the start of the season and what we've seen here tonight changed the opinion on what you have here and the direction in which
0: you should proceed? Uh, first, I, I still think we're, you know, it, as I said, it takes time to change the the, the standard, the culture, uh, demanding more of each other. Um, and our vision stayed the same. As I said, we, we're trying to... to uh, add younger players here and and continue to build uh we have a lot of good good player on the team here on our team and and uh i think we've been uh, very inconsistent uh um at the start of the season here uh so we need to find the consistency here uh in, in our game um so uh, nothing is nothing has really changed Lots of fans were screaming
9: for a rebuild here at the end of last season. That was neither yours nor Jim Rutherford's uh, preference. But given the challenge that you face with UFAs and the Brock Besser situation, is it possible that you're going to find yourself in a rebuild situation, even if it's not your preference?
0: Uh, You know, again, we're we're trying to to stay the course and and have a plan and, and sticking to it here. And as I said, we were the Sixth uh, youngest team in, starting in the league, so we, we got a lot of young good players here. We need, just need to add and continue to build here and and emphasize on the right things here. Uh, I think a lot of players are taking a step. Um, everybody wants to win every game, but I, I that's that's unfortunately in this league. It's a, the parody of the league is good.
9: Question from Jay Canuck. The two years Pittsburgh won the Cup, they were fourth and second in the league. You aren't really a just-get-into-the-playoffs kind of GM, are you? He makes that statement in this question. How do you see the Canucks becoming a contender like those teams?
0: Yeah, um, as you said, I, I think the preparation of A-2 games, you, you, you want to see improvement from, from day one to day, to game A-2 because after game A-2, there is a different hockey um, and as I said, this up to this point, we've been very inconsistent. You are not responsible for anything that happened here before
9: Jim Rutherford hired you last January, but you do know the Canucks have had a difficult decade since getting to the Stanley Cup final in 2011, been around uh, 500 while trying to make the playoffs every year. Do you sense that Canuck fans
0: have had their patience worn thin? Uh, I think the Canucks fans here are... Um, uh, phenomenal! Uh, the support they give the team and us every night—it's uh, impressive. I—I uh, um, I understand. Uh, you know, you're just looking at the rafters here. We're, we're missing a banner, um, and and um, our or job is—you know—step by step and and uh, building the bricks by bricks, and and hopefully we can we can add a banner that's that is missing here
9: quote from you at the end of last season, uh, you said something to the effect of uh, we're not a contending team right now. We don't have the superstar. Would you think about walking back the uh, superstar portion of that quote and say that Elias Pettersson is
0: one now? Uh, you know what? Elias has been really good. Uh, credit to him. He, he came prepared this summer um, and it's showing us uh, that he's capable of, of taking over and, and uh, leading by example. Uh, not just only scoring goals, but the way he plays a 200-foot game, um, the way he's been m- probably our most consistent player here. So I think he's on the rise, and, and it's great to see.
7: Well, Patrick, on the power play tonight, was per- uh, to me, that's a perfect example of Elias. He doesn't have a power play goal this year, but the other teams, they concentrate on him so much on the penalty kill that that's why the power play has been clicking. Everybody else is open, JT and Bo, and they can cash in. And Elias gets all those assists on the power play. Uh, and without him tonight, the power play was dismal, is a good.
6: Is yeah, a
0: yeah. yeah. we weren't very good on the power play, that's for sure. Uh, this
9: is a question from Marcus in Gibson's. And given that uh, uh, Elias Pettersson's eight, and J.P. Barry said this week that he's quite open to a, a, a long term contract extension, um, he asks Can we expect the club to offer Max Term to Pettersson
0: once he's able to sign an extension? Uh, you know that's uh, something we we this summer uh, starting to discussion uh, discussion with with uh, Elias here and uh, see where we are and uh, where where he is and and uh, I'm sure we're gonna figure it out. He's been a he's been a great player here for Vancouver Canucks uh, his time here.
9: I could dance around the words retool and rebuild uh, for the rest of this interview, but it's not going to get us anywhere. So let's go back to your playing career. You tried North America at age 21, uh, 97, 98. You went back to Europe for five more seasons including one with your hometown team lexand Lexent has produced some pretty good players you wanted
7: to be a goalie number 30 there you go you wanted to be a goalie
9: uh knee injury and you retired in 02 with no idea what you were going to do until your wife marie uh gave you the proper direction in other words she told you what to do which
0: was <laughs> you know she said it was enough and and uh go back to school and uh get a get a degree and you were working in a bank? I, yeah, I did. I yeah. started working in a bank there, and uh, I missed uh, missed the game too much. So what are the
9: chances we could be talking to Patrick Alveen, bank manager? <laughs> Not very good. No, it didn't last long, that's for sure. Right. So you left university two semesters short of your degree to take a full-time scouting job with Pittsburgh. Six years there, three Stanley Cups. The last eight, you worked for Jim Rutherford, who, as we said, hired you here last January. Duly noted that you were the first Uh, Swedish general manager in the NHL. What does that mean to you?
0: Uh, I'm very uh, proud and honored for uh, the opportunity that I've been giving here uh, from Vancouver Canucks and and, uh, the trust that Jim had in me and uh, I'm very excited uh, to be part of this uh, staff we have and and what we're building and and, uh, envision here moving forward.
9: Spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh early in your career with the Penguins crisscrossing the Atlantic Ocean which obviously left Marie to hold down the home front with uh, two children and she certainly did not give up two semesters short of her degree. She went on to get her Ph.D. in reproductive health, and that work
0: has taken her all over the world. So your wife has made a difference in a lot of people's lives. What would you say about her? No, I I think she's uh, phenomenal. Uh, My wife uh, has encouraged me uh, to take all those steps and, uh, um, you know, a lot of discussions at homes uh, and and, uh, give her a lot of uh, credit for for all the support for myself and my two uh, kids here.
9: All right, Patrick, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us tonight.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Ace, for having me here.
9: There's Patrick Elvin, the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks. First year on the job. When we come back, Spencer Martin, uh, the Canucks goaltender, will join us as we continue with After Hours.
7: There are lots of ways to bet with BetRivers Casino and Sportsbook app, but there's only one way to play… responsibly. That's why we developed responsible gaming tools that can help you take charge of the way you play. Tools like time limits, deposit limits, wager limits, and even cooling off periods. They're here if you need them, because we're here for you. So, bet smart. Bet fun.
5: bet Rivers.
3: The BetRivers
7: Casino and Sportsbook app's responsible gaming tools gets a whole new way to manage your game.
2: on the right foot with a McDonald's BLT McMuffin.
10: Need help with your game? You ask a teammate. Need help getting there safely? You rely on the Jiffy Loop team. Jiffy Loop. Keeping you moving.
7: With the cost of living climbing, it's getting harder for BC families to get ahead. So to help make life more affordable right now, BC and Canada are bringing down parents' childcare costs. Many BC families can now save up to
5: $550 more per child per month. And with more licensed childcare spaces opening around the province, quality childcare is now more affordable than
3: ever. Helping make life a little easier for your family.
0: Let's get this going, baby! Welcome to Flack <laughs> Acknowledge me.
6: Want live
0: the queen. SmackDown is electrifying. The greatest superstars in the world are right here on SmackDown. The best show in sports entertainment.
9: Back with you at Rogers Arena, where tonight the Canucks fell to the Jets. Spencer Martin went from number five on the Vancouver goaltending depth chart last season to current starter. Tough loss tonight, but you're still 9-4-1 on the season, so those numbers don't sound bad. Um, Let's deal with the game we just saw. John.
7: Well, it was one of those games where the first period, you know, I'm sure (laughs) when I was playing goal two, it's the same thing. Uh, You want to be home after that big win in Wednesday in Calgary where the team came back. And uh, you get the shootout when you stopped all three in the shootout, which is uh, nothing short of amazing. Every goalie wants to do that. And then only three shots, four. And the Jets with in close shots, uh, the first goal. I mean, Kyle Connor is one of the best snipers in the league. He's got a 10 feet out right in the middle nine times out of ten he's going to score
5: yeah i think uh you know we didn't we didn't come out the way we wanted to obviously and it's something that we got to solve um you know coming home after a couple of big road uh wins lately uh we haven't had the efforts that we want but uh at the same time, we didn't lose the game in the first period just because we've, we've shown that we can come back in game. So uh, I was trying to hold it down and, and give us that chance.
9: All right, let's move on, shall we? Yes. You okay with that? Perfect. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, you've been in the spotlight here since you took over from Thatcher Demko as starting goaltender. One thing I've noticed in your interviews is that you are brief and to the point. And this is nothing new for you. We have dug up your draft day interview when Colorado took you in the third round uh, of the 2013 draft.
5: It uh, feels amazing. It's a dream come true to hear uh, your name called and especially to uh, you know, an awesome team and an awesome organization like Colorado. To be honest, I expect to be a bit more nervous than I was. Uh, come draft day, come today, it was just uh, relaxed and uh, with my family, uh, uh, a lot of celebrating and it was a lot of fun. My grandparents, uh, parents, uh, sister and uh, my girlfriend. They've been amazing, uh, bringing me into the league uh, in Mississauga. saga. Um, you know, being drafted there uh, was a dream come true. Coming to my home team, and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We got a lot of great leaders. <laughs> we had a lot of great leaders last year, and uh, going okay. forward, we will too. All here, right, we get the point. Six uh, questions yeah, they, you were asked in this interview, forward. Spencer, and the longest that's, answer—that's
8: that's right? not too bad,
9: right? <laughs> no, no. The longest answer though was 11 seconds. Yep. You cannot do that here tonight, or John and I will be out of questions <laughs> in five minutes. Uh, okay. Here's your path to the NHL uh, as a starting goaltender. As we have said, Colorado drafted you round three, 2013. It took four years before uh, you got to play a game for the Evs. Then back to the AHL for five years before you got another NHL start. And that was last January with the Canucks. Uh, Up until last season, this clearly was the path of a career minor leaguer. Where did you think your career was headed?
5: Um, well, I don't know. Obviously, uh, I'm I'm looking at this uh, this list here, and uh, it's it went a lot of different places. But um, you know what? I, I actually enjoyed uh, each one of those spots. Uh, um, but obviously, uh, the the whole point uh, was sticking with it was to get a chance like this, and um, you know. That's why I'm really in the moment right here and trying to trying to focus on making the most of this. But, you know, looking at that list, there's a lot of good people and a lot of, uh, you know, good places that I was at. So,
9: so Wes asked this question. Uh, has your long road to the NHL been a big contributor to your mental toughness?
5: Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, you know, just even in the challenges that I'm facing right now, I think uh, there's obvious uh, examples that I've learned uh, along the way in junior and, and also in my long uh, AHL and east coast uh you know build up uh, that I've I've learned lessons and um you know they're helping me uh, do my best right now.
9: Finance Yoda chimes in with this what made you decide to stay in North America all these years and not try it overseas?
5: Yeah I think uh you know for me I just I wanted to be an NHLer like I wanted to
6: uh you know I'm a hockey fan first and uh
2: Uh, the Jets do anything spectacularly well, Bic? I mean, look at it 5-on-5. Five five. Their high-danger scoring chances are pretty much average. Their goal creations, chance creation average.
4: Expected totals pretty much average, but they have elite goaltending. Well, the Jets played hard in the first 14 minutes yeah. and then just managed the game, just intelligently managed the game. It's not that they didn't play hard. It just they didn't have to push because the Canucks didn't really push them to kick it up into another gear. They were pretty much in second, maybe third gear for most of the evening and the Canucks were in neutral. Mm-hmm. Never even put it into first gear.
2: No, uh, yeah, they've been kind of stuck in that spot for quite a while now. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's Colin DeLia start incoming question mark. I mean, probably one of the back-to-back games. Wouldn't you imagine
4: on the weekend? Uh, yeah, Thursday and Friday, right before Christmas. Seattle, and then you travel to. You're you're at home versus Seattle, and then you travel to Edmonton. You'd assume uh, one of those games. Uh, I'd maybe do the Seattle game, so you give McDavid and Drysdale to mm-hmm. Spencer Martin. Uh, but I would assume you those games are going to get chopped up. Yeah, no, we we
2: I, you would imagine, and I think at this stage with how things are going too. I mean. You probably needed Spencer Martin to give, get a little bit of a reset. And uh, even tonight, I didn't think Spencer Martin was at the top of his game. Maybe a couple of them that go in. But when the Canucks don't generate anything, ben, mm-hmm. it's hard to be like, hey, maybe you should have saved two or three. It, it's, he it's could have really let, let in two goals tonight, you still lose the game.
4: He couldn't let in one goal. Yeah, because the last one's a garbage time goal anyway. Yeah, like I, I put, I I look, I know yeah. it's, it's Bo Horvath's 22nd goal of the season, and that's he continues just tipping these pucks in uh, at a great rate. And I, I just, I just don't look at that and say, "Oh yeah, he's he's definitely Spencer Martin." Like he, he was definitely a reason why they lost this game. It, it's, it was a garbage time goal, and and he, he would, he would have needed to put on one of the best performances uh, you'll see all season for them to have gotten a point out of this game. No,
2: I mean. I'd say that's true, and, you know, we'll hear from Bruce Boudreau coming up here momentarily about uh, how this game unfolded and and what his thoughts were uh, on the game overall, and, you know, it's just hard to kind of continue breaking it all down when you you look at where the Canucks found themselves with the game, coming into it, and the things you wanted to see from them, and you're not seeing them uh, from this group so far, and, you know, those are the big problems with this team right now. It's... I'm not sure what the answer is as far as finding them, but uh, the man making decisions in the front office is general manager Patrick Alvine. And, well, we mentioned he was on after hours, and here he is after the game. Canucks lose 5-1 about, well, what he saw in this game and how flat they were.
0: Yeah, I, I thought we uh, came out uh, really flat there today. Uh, we weren't ready to play. Um, um. Disappointed. Uh, There was no life, no juice in our game from the start there. So, definitely disappointing performance here. All right, Patrick, let's get to what's in front
9: of you as general manager of the Canucks. Uh, Three important players coming up on unrestricted free agency, and one whose agent has been told he can shop him. So, it's clear that not all of Horvat, Kuzmenko, Shen, and Besser will remain Canucks. How do you view the challenge of sorting this puzzle out to the Canucks' advantage?
0: Well, um, you know, starting the season here, I, I believe we were uh, one of the f- six youngest team uh, going into the league here. And uh, yeah, we, we were aware of uh, um, our goal, our vision here was to, to bring in uh, some youth to our, uh, to our organization. Um, we were able to, to add a couple of players here uh, as we were going on here with, with Be- Ethan Beer and uh, Riley Stillman. Um, I think there is a lot of of good things from our younger players in um, Stunika, Amon, Joshua, um, Kosmenko has been uh, playing pretty well here too. But, um, you know, definitely uh, uh, challenging for all teams uh, with UFAs and and, uh, mainly the flat cap here well so clearly you
9: cannot share with us the specifics of negotiations with any player but it got out this week that bo horvat has rejected the canucks latest offer and now um he's in trade mode can anything salvage horvat's time as a canuck
0: yeah i i mean uh i have a lot of respect for for bo horvat as as a player and a person here and and bo knows where where we stand and uh um, he's been very good, very professional, uh, playing very hard every night. Uh, um, so far, individual points has been very good for him, and, and uh, you know anything can happen here. And, and we still have uh, uh, conversations.
9: So, you're on that topic, Braden Ursel asks a much more direct question: Is this really
0: your final offer to Bo Um <laughs> uh, You know what? We're we're still we're still talking. I, I had a meeting with Bo here in Calgary, and. Uh, um you know we know where we stand and and uh, he knows the situation here and uh, we'll see what what uh what happened here uh the next couple of weeks months
9: brock besser has had a difficult year and his agent has been given permission to explore trade possibilities with other teams in your mind what is the best case scenario for brock besser
0: well i think brock besser is a good hockey player and uh Brock has never asked to uh, not play for Vancouver. He he loves it here. He wants to be here. Uh, he's still 25 years old, I believe. He's a he's a, he's a good hockey player. Uh, he had a tough um, off season here with his with his dad passed away. Uh, he was he was dealing with uh, illness here um, this week. And was the reason he didn't play here tonight. And uh, I don't know uh, where you guys get all the information about uh, his agent uh, uh, getting, uh, uh, allowing to talk to other teams. But uh, as as far as I But that is true, right? I don't know who said that. (laughs) (laughs) I have never said it. All right.
9: Um, The R word you've got two to choose from here retool or rebuild. Where do you stand on both?
0: Um, i think as a as a team in in today 's world you you 're always uh building um you know you 're never never satisfied you always brick by brick and and when you 're actually winning, you start building again so um i don't uh, uh you know we're not we i guess we are just continue to build there and uh, as i said Jim, when Jim and I came in here um, there was a lot of good young pieces here on the team and we Want to continue to add uh, uh, younger players, uh, preferably 25 and younger, and uh, I think we've been able to do so at this point, and it takes time.
7: Well, you look at Buffalo, and to me, teams like Buffalo and that, that did go and just say, okay, we're rebuilt, and they don't make the playoffs three eight years in a row. And you just you say, you really want to do that? I know that the fans, and I'm a fan now too, but as a, a former player, Nobody wants to be involved in that. And even the young guys, when they come in and you get first-round pick, Edmonton all those years, first-round pick, first overall pick, all those years, and you still miss the playoffs. And then those young guys are gone before you even get the rebuild going. Uh, Patrick, before you go any further,
9: is there an assistant GM's job available <laughs> for John <Garrett? laughs> uh, Yeah. I have a hockey card that yeah. says yeah. it yeah. assistant GM? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, here's a question from... Uh, the the handle is rutherford's first christmas but it's a reasonable question do you and current management group still see this team as one on the rise or has the start of the season and what we've seen here tonight changed the opinion on what you have here and the direction in which you should proceed
0: uh first i, I still think we're you know it, as i said it takes time to change the, the the standard the culture uh demanding more of each other um and our vision stayed the same. As I said, we, we're trying to to uh, add younger players here and, and continue to build. Uh, we have a lot of good good player on the team here on our team, and, and uh, I think we've been uh, very inconsistent uh, um, at the start of the season here. Uh, so we need to find the consistency here uh, in, in our game. Um, so uh, nothing is nothing has really changed.
9: Lots of fans were screaming for a rebuild here at the end of last season. That was neither yours nor Jim Rutherford's pre- uh, preference. But given the challenge that you face with UFAs and the Brock Besser situation, is it possible that you're going to find yourself in a rebuild situation, even if it's not your preference?
0: Um, you know, again, we're, we're trying to to stay the course and, and have a plan and, and sticking to it here. And as I said, we were the sixth uh, youngest team in, starting in the league, so we've we got a lot of young, good players here. We need, just need to add and continue to build here and, and emphasize on the right things here. Uh, I think a lot of players are taking a step. Um, everybody wants to win every game, but I, I, that's, that's unfortunately in this league. It's a, the parody of the league is good.
9: Question from Jay Canuck: The two years Pittsburgh won the Cup, they were fourth and second in the league. You aren't really a just get into the playoffs kind of GM, are you? He makes that statement in this question. How do you see the Canucks becoming a contender like those teams?
0: Yeah, um, as you said, I, I think the preparation of eight to two games. You you, you want to see improvement from from day one to day to game eight to two because after game eight to two there is a there is a different hockey. Um, and as I said, this up to this point, we've been very inconsistent. You are not
9: responsible for anything that happened here before Jim Rutherford hired you last January, but you do know the Canucks have had a difficult decade since getting to the Stanley Cup final in 2011, been around uh, 500 while trying to make the playoffs every year. Do you sense that Canuck fans have had their patience
0: worn thin? Uh, I think the Canucks fans here are... Um, uh, phenomenal! Uh, the support they give the team and us every night—it's uh, impressive. Uh, um, I, I understand. Uh, you know, you're just looking at the rafters here. We're, we're missing a banner, um, and and um, our or job is—you know—step by step and, and uh, building the bricks by bricks, and, and hopefully we can we can add a banner that's that is missing here. A quote from you at the
9: end of last season. Uh, you said something to the effect of uh, we're not a contending team right now. We don't have the superstar. Would you think about walking back the uh, superstar portion of that quote and say that Elias Pettersson is one now?
0: Uh, you know what? Elias has been really good. Uh, credit to him. He, he came prepared this summer. Um, and it's showing us uh, that he's capable of, of taking over and, and uh, leading by example. Um, not just only scoring goals, but the way he plays a 200-foot game, um, the way he's been m- m- probably our most consistent player here. So I think he's on the rise, and, and it's great to see.
7: Well, Patrick, on the power play tonight, was per- uh, to me, that's a perfect example of Elias. He doesn't have a power play goal this year, but the other teams, they concentrate on him so much on the penalty kill that that's why the power play has been clicking. Everybody else is open, JT and Bo, and they can cash in. And Elias gets all those assists on the power play. Uh, and without him tonight, the power play was dismal is a good... Is
0: yeah, a yeah. To, yeah, we weren't very good on the power play, that's for sure. Uh, this is a question
9: from Marcus in Gibsons. And given that uh, uh, Elias Pettersson's eight and J.P. Berry said this week that he's quite open to a, a, a long-term contract extension... Um, he asks, "Can we expect the club to offer max term to Pedersen once he's
0: able to sign an extension?" Uh, you know, that's uh, something we we this summer uh, starting to discussion uh, discussion with with uh, Elias here and uh, see where we are and uh, where where he is and and uh, I'm sure we're gonna figure it out. He's been a he's been a great player here for Vancouver Canucks uh, his time here.
2: Uh, that is Canucks general manager Patrick Alvine, who said less than what his team did on the ice tonight.
4: I love it, man.
2: I—I I mean, it just didn't give poker in, face, man. Nine I, minutes, I would
4: hate to play a poker game. N- nine minutes uh, of
2: not saying anything. I mean, and, and hey, listen, that, that's been his M.O. And I'm not—I'm not being derisive no. in a negative way. I'm just saying, like, it's—it's—it's it's, it's on it. Like, it's—we're <laughs> just playing, laughing. He's literally—he's he's not even answering. Game, it, he's not really answering the questions. Just kind of saying stuff. And I get it. He's—he's he's being careful. He's trying to say—he's trying to not put himself in it. I get it. And can like even on
4: the besser one. It's like, I
2: didn't say that. I didn't say that. Well, it was a non-denial denial, but a kind of a denial. I don't know. Very confusing. Very confusing. Uh, Ken says, stay the course, my God. Uh, a lot of people.
4: The but GM's that's the not going to so. say anything. I, yeah, I've kept saying this. Yeah. Like, this part sucks. <laughs> well, there's no other way to put it. Because, again, I keep saying the holding pattern. <laughs> yeah. You know, we talked when it was bad in October. We said, hey, like the first opportunity to even make trades, yeah. just the, even the idea of trades, is really not going to happen until December. And then we get to December, and you see the logjam, and you see the financial realities, and you say, well, the roster freeze is going to happen here pretty soon. Realistically, probably more like January. And that's only if someone's willing to pay the March 3rd price on some of your players. And and until you get there, it's just you're stuck in this moment. You are. I mean, I I, I honestly, like, I'm running out of things to tell fans (laughs) to say, like, hey, (laughs) stay the course and all those sort of things because – this sucks. Like, you're, you're already in a spot where you don't have hope for the season. You already came into the season with a lot of questions. It already wasn't very stable for your coach and your captain. And that hasn't in any way increased. And until you start to see some resolutions, and I wish I could tell fans, like, oh, yeah, they can do this sort of stuff now. Yeah. We've sat here and talked. It's like, there's no trades available. There, honestly, I, I, like, so the money is not available we, across we, the league.
2: People who are listening to the post game show, you know, we sound like broken records talking about this. We've been talking about, hey, it's going to be hard to make trades until the new year. Christmas at the earliest, even then, doesn't look great because there's no money around the league. And this is not what, you know, we've been saying this for, for months now, really. And then I thought there was a note in uh, Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts article this past week because, you know, you know Elliot deals with the rumors and stuff and he talks about possibilities. And a GM, an unnamed GM, he said, messaged him and said, what calculator are you using? Because yeah. the trades you're talking about are impossible. Like, how are we going to make these trades? And he put that in his 32 Thoughts to say, there's no money out there right now. It's, it's kind of stuck. That doesn't mean the Canucks don't have to make changes. That doesn't mean the expectation isn't they don't get stuff done by the deadline. It's just about the timeline and where it comes, and they're kind
4: of stuck and, here. And we've talked about it. it. You can make trades right now if you want. It just, it's a matter of what's available to you. And two weeks ago, you pitched me the idea of, like, Besser from Milan Lucic, you can get out of that contract after the end of the year, and, and that's the way you kind of make it work. Again, right now it makes sense. Does it make sense in March 3rd? Probably yep. not, because now you're close to the end of the year. Exactly. Does something change, or does it make some more sense in the off season to move Brock Besser? And then suddenly it's you're back to this holding pattern. It's it's when is the most prudent opportunity to try to manufacture positive transactions? And the answer is going to be in the future. Yeah, and
2: it, and that sucks.
4: I, I go back to like, <laughs> yeah, that sucks. That really sucks because you might have to watch a bunch of five-one home losses. Listless performances like this over again. and over and over again. Now, if if that's what you want, because they need to improve their lottery odds, okay. But in the meantime, you're
2: stuck. Yeah, they, they kind of are, are stuck, man. And, and
4: that's why we always come back to it's like it's on the players. One hundred
2: percent, it is on the players. But you know, as far as uh, what Alvin had to say, we're going to play Bruce Boudreau coming up in a few minutes. A lot of reaction to Patrick Alvin. And it's not good. We'll read some of those text messages. We'll get some of your thoughts. And we'll hear from Bruce Boudreaux as the Canuck Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
10: Back to more Canucks Central Post Game Show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official
1: home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Quinn Hughes, right point for J.T. Miller. Left boards to Connor Garland. Back to Hughes from the line with a one-timer tip. They score. And that is going to be the first goal of the year for Quinn Hughes as he's shot from the line, deflected off one of the
2: Jets and past Connor Hellebuck. It spoils his shutout bid. The shutout bid, Canucks lose 5-1 on home ice against... The Winnipeg Jets, and this is the Canucks Central postgame show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, like this one from William and Langley. I was at the game tonight. I took my five year old to his first Canucks game with my wife. I'm happy he still doesn't understand how bad the situation is with this team, but I had to uh, lie to make him think the Canucks were doing great to, to not have it ruin his experience. It is ugly to watch this on TV, but live is unbelievably awful. I'm having second thoughts on Horvad. After after tonight, despite the goal, that's William and Langley. Chet and Burnaby says, woof, that's the only game I get to go to this year. Putrid. I noticed it wasn't just the fans leaving early. Aquilini checked out in the third. That's Chet and Burnaby texting in as well. So, so a lot of takes uh, on the game itself and and how bad that was on the ice. And right now, big, however, the player the person who's taken the most criticism on our text inbox is not a performer who underachieved this evening on the ice. It is Canucks GM Patrick Alvino was on after hours and we just played the audio uh with the questions from Scott Oak and John Garrett and let's just say uh the our, people our are uninspired. They they are very
4: uninspired. Yeah. Uh which we kind of just laughed about. And I, I, I was just like, that's kind of what he does. Yeah, it's kind of what it is. Uh, and, and here's the thing. He's not going to go on national TV and say, can you put up the PowerPoint presentation of my rebuild plan? Here's my five-point plan. <laughs> I, I, I'll apologize on his behalf. He's not going to do that. And for all the people, it's like, oh, it doesn't sound like he knows what he's doing. No, I think, I, I I think will, it's intentional. I, I do think it's intentional, but I will say,
2: like – he didn't say anything that would inspire confidence based on... You sure. Know, like, he's not a good BSer, You know, like, he's not a good yeah. orator orator that goes out there and just says things in a way that make you believe despite not saying anything. Politicians are great at that. They go out and say flowery. Like, mm-hmm. man, that guy said some... It's like, no, he didn't say anything when you listen yeah. to it. So he's not good at that. Like he's not good at the presentation side of it, but he's good at not giving you anything. But if you're not good at the presentation side of things, then it will come off as being unconvincing. And and I'm not saying you should be unconvincing, you should hate on it, but I'm just saying that's how it comes off. It doesn't come off as um, authoritative, you know what I mean? It comes sure. up as like, you're what are you saying? I don't, and it doesn't make any sense. And that's why a lot of people are texting in and saying, like, this one from Peter, oh, we're all losing it. Uh, when Ben, we were all losing it when Benny said, We live day to day. LOL, Alvine, what a joke. Uh, Alvin is so annoying. Master of none, Sayer of nothing. What a brutal, grass guest. You can barely uh, string together an articulate sentence what somebody else says. So that's the type of. Messages that are coming in, it's it's not open that he didn't say anything. People say just he was so
4: unconvincing in the perform in what he sure. had to say, and I get it. And I but I would say that's by design. Sure, it's it's intentional. Yeah, and the thing, I think this group is very comfortable, not just him. I think this group is very comfortable accepting short term negativity. Mm-hmm. Think of, like the whole coaching thing; they attacked it head on. In, at the end of season press conference, yeah, there was no like, oh, maybe we'll do. Th- they attacked it head on. Structure, we need structure, structure, and you know, did d- d- even talk about the financial realities of it. It's like we paying three head coaches is a bad idea, and they were willing to approach it head on. Much to the chagrin of Canucks fans that were enthralled with the fifty seven games and thought Bruce should have gotten the extension in the summer. It's like that was enough, and this group said no. We want to see what a training camp looks like. We want to see what next season looks like under Bruce. And you have to absorb short-term negativity because the results obviously haven't been good. But I think they're comfortable doing that. And right now, again, Patrick Alvine's taking the teeth right now in the inbox. And I think there's like – Honestly, I think
2: Patrick Alvin's fine taking the yeah. bullets. He's and fine taking the bullets.
4: And that's what that is. Yeah, is. They're not going to go out there and say, yeah, Brock's asked for a trade. We got to go confirm that, because what good is that going to do for the franchise? It salves the appetite for fans to say, "Oh, okay, they they have an idea," but how does that help their situation? It doesn't. So doing the the misguided answer, the the Kansas City shuffle for those fans of uh, <laughs> the that?
2: Kansas City shuffle, it's lucky lucky number yeah, seven.
4: Yeah, that one. Yeah, the old hey, look this way, <laughs> but I'm answering this way. Yeah, that's what he's going to do. Yeah, because. Not saying anything is what's better for the franchise. I it know is. that doesn't feel no, no, good.
2: But I get it, but it, I think, you know what, Like, s- some people are good at saying nothing, mm-hmm. but making it sound like they said something. And that's a skill. And Alvin does not have that skill. He doesn't have to have the skill to be a successful general manager, but I think that's the... A- that's it more than anything else, really. Scout players run a department. I <laughs> care
4: about that sort of stuff way more.
2: Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Sabres Rob uh, Alvine dared to cite Stillman as a player they added in the same sentence as this serviceable Ethan Bear. Stillman is like a Walmart reader. Welcome to my net. Make yourself at home. That is Sabres and, uh, Rob texting it <laughs> text ju- Again, I feel like
4: people are putting too much stock in what he's going to say.
2: <laughs> I get it. But uh, hey, l- l- listen, Dick. Fans have watched this team struggle for years. I know. They they were promised change. Change hasn't happened yet. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, the masses, they want change. And every time he comes up to say something, they're not convinced. So I get it. I'm not saying you should be mad at him or he should get fired. I I agree. Like, I'm on on board the don't say anything stupid and just get through it. But I can understand why fans are unconvinced when they hear those things. Uh, Procrastinators, leaders of tomorrow is what one text message (laughs) just said. (laughs) Uh, Morgan on the
4: road says That's every- why we're asking for jokes for 60, I love Because jokes. look, it's all just stuck right now It is,
2: uh, Morgan on the road Every time the Canucks get back to 500 They put forward an effort like this It's embarrassing to have to watch They have to rebuild this team from the ground up That is Morgan on the road Alright, uh, we'll get to more of your text messages And more of your takes coming up As the show goes on here As promised though, we are going to get to head coach Bruce Boudreau And well yeah, they lost 5-1 on home ice Against the Winnipeg Jets and it was a frustrating evening. Here's Bruce.
6: It's more frustrating watching our team sometimes when you can go from great to what whatever tonight was. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I thought, and you try to build them up. You told them how good they played in Calgary, and we did an awful lot of good things. And then we come here, and it's not even the same team. So it's hard to understand sometimes.
1: It seemed like there was. Difficult time penetrating the middle of the ice, getting to some of those scoring areas. Is that how you saw it as well? And what needs to
6: change? Yeah. There? Well, I mean, well, what needs to change is you got to get there. <laughs> it's your job. Uh, you, you can't turn pucks over at the blue line when they're they're standing up and they're guarding the blue line. You got to get it behind them. And if you look at any game, we've had success that we get the puck behind them and we we uh, beat them below the circles. We're not a a team that. That comes up and scores a lot of three on two pretty goals with the fourth man coming up and that it's a it's a grinding kind of team that works works hard to get goals so uh, that's what our identity is supposed to be and when we don't do that we have a struggle we have a hard time getting scoring chances you move
1: miller back to the wing is that just trying to generate something or how did you think he played well
6: there? obviously everything wasn't working going the other way and so sometimes you try to load up one line and and hopefully the other three lines can check and you can get something uh, with one line but uh it uh, you know i mean it's it's my job to try to find things to make them make them click when I can see uh, from the bench that it's things aren't working and players aren't going so I mean you try to mix and match and and put something together
9: just five block shots as a group they scored a couple of long-distance shots i mean is is that indicative of sort of a lack of buy-in tonight
6: sure is type thing i mean you look at what they blocked and uh uh, and you can look at any team when you've got 15 plus blocks on any night that team wins the game and uh uh, i didn't know five was our number but i mean uh, uh that was indicative of you know them getting in the long shots on, on us not blocking them but getting in the goalie's eyes so he can't see them
10: I think you said the other day uh, one of the days that JT would really like probably prefer to play center and he had an opportunity tonight um, he had an opportunity at the start of the year what do you see in his game that he just hasn't been as good at center this year as he was last year
6: I don't know, we haven't seen him enough out there to, to for me to tell you. So, I mean, uh, tonight it wasn't the fact that he wasn't uh, doing anything at center. It was the fact that I was trying to get uh, the one line um, going, and maybe if we had one line going, you can almost play them an awful lot and just have the other lines uh, chip in and defend, but that didn't work either.
0: Are you hopeful that Patterson and
4: or Esser will be available yep. for Monday?
6: Yeah, I'm hoping, you know. I mean, uh, uh, that's you know. I mean, we'll see tomorrow at practice who's available and who's not. What's
2: the impact of not having a guy like Pedersen in the lineup?
6: Well, you take your best offensive player out, and usually that's uh, uh, that's not a good thing on any team. And uh, uh, but uh, teams that uh, are good enough can withstand it and withstand injuries and. Uh, uh, and other guys, that's when other guys get the opportunity to show what they have. So, I mean, I never use that as an excuse of somebody not being in the lineup or out of the lineup or what have you. I mean, it's uh, it's their time. It's somebody else's time to step in.
9: What was your impression of Lane Patterson
6: today? I mean, uh, he could skate. You know, and uh, I think if you give me it's just got to get used to the NHL that you have to get pucks away quicker. You have to do things quicker. In that, in the American League, you have that extra second to get, to do things, and in in this league, you don't have the, that time.
9: Did you give any consideration to taking
3: Martin out and giving Dia?
6: I, I asked him, and Martin wanted to stay in. And so, I mean, uh, uh, a guy that's been a warrior like that for us, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to pull him out if he wants to stay in. But uh, I definitely asked him and thought about it, and not because of him, but because, you know, he has been the warrior for us and played every game, and uh, it just didn't look like we were going to be able to catch up. So, But I uh, uh, looked at him right in the eye, and he said, no, I want this. So
9: That was after two, like in the intermission? No, it was, no, no, it
6: was it was during the game at some point.
10: Players know who's in and out of the lineup when you look at the Jets' side, Bruce. You know, they got six guys out, and they lost two on Thursday night. Yet they have this next man up mantra, and it seems to work for them. Are you hopeful on some level that your players
1: take a look at that team? I mean, not just from the skill part of it, but just having the will to play that hard regardless who's in that lineup?
6: Well, there's a lot of nights we have that many guys out of our lineup, and we play that hard. Yeah. It just wasn't tonight. You know, I mean, I think every team in the NHL has the next man up mentality. Uh, And guys that are playing in the minors are praying that they get that opportunity to show that the next man up is is the thing to do. I mean, uh, they did it tonight. And, you know, obviously, uh, we've got a few guys out too. And we could have had the same thing, but it wasn't there tonight. But it was there in Calgary. It's been there in... uh, uh, Colorado and in Vegas and in San Jose and I mean all these places, but uh, uh, it, you know it behooves me like I, I don't know why that we come up flat at home and just uh, it, I don't know I have no no answer for that right now.
5: That
2: is Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after a 5-1 loss on home ice against the Winnipeg Jets, and you know he he says he doesn't have any answers for why the team comes out this way. We've talked about their preparation, but on home ice they dropped to 5-8-1. They lost by a score of 5-1 four different times this year. I I mean at this stage, do you need Bruce to confirm the the answer for you? No, it's I think it's more about like how do you
4: have any ability of fixing this is, is is it fixable and I think the answer is probably no you'd have to fundamentally change personalities on this team again yeah. this group well we can't just do this for three years three plus years and say on a random Saturday they'll figure it out now because Bruce said it to the media you really don't need the coach or the GM to tell you what the problem is here they're inconsistent that's what it is. Yeah, well, we we re, we really do not need to go further than that. No, they are inconsistent, but also it's just
2: what about the leadership group? Because we see people t- texting in. I mean, and Trucker James has been saying all night about you know get rid of JT, he's the problem. But bring Bo back. That's that's a wrong you got to fix. But I'm like, what what did Bo show tonight for people to be like? This is my captain. Seriously, you scored a goal. He Bruce talked about blocking shots. He said, oh, I don't know, we only had five. You could have had six. So Bo didn't get out of the way of one. Again, we talked about that one earlier. But I, I still, I think you should get. Yeah. To me, like, I, I, no, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, enough, enough of this BS about. Well, he could have done this. Not good enough. I don't give a. You know what? I mean, that's a captain of your hockey team. You're scoring goals, but are you doing what it takes to win hockey games? You're not. I don't care what you say. I don't care you got 22 goals. You're not doing the things you need to win hockey games. Are these guys going to go to a different team and do those things all of a sudden? Maybe. Maybe this is the environment you need. But you're not doing it here. Like so, why should you feel like you're losing out on something if you don't bring Bo back right now? Even if JT stays, like, what are you losing out on? Losing out on having a 22 goal scorer in, on a on a hockey team that's under 500, who was responsible for two or three goals against so but scored one tonight? It's not good habits. The team isn't playing hard. The line changes. We talked about Bo and JT are bad as, as bad as anybody on what line changes. Like what is like what are we clamoring for here?
4: That's not stunning too. You go through it right now. Like the top goal scorers in the league. McDavid's team, playoffs. k Tage Thompson team, they're struggling. Dallas, playoffs. Colorado, playoffs. Edmonton, should again, should be going to the playoffs with Dry Settle. Like the teams that are scoring, are, are a lot of these teams are going to the playoffs here. Yeah. And Bo Horvat's 22 are kind of falling on deaf ears here. A lot of guys getting a lot of empty points on this team. Yannick criticized that. Well,
8: we you guys was on, on Friday, Friday yeah.
2: you know, talked about it. He's like, yeah, even Bo, he's got a lot of goals, doesn't have a lot of assists. You know, scoring on a bad team right now, how much of that is sustainable? How much of that is good? How do you feel about that?
4: He's fourth in goals. Uh, I don't think he's top 25 in points. Uh, I'll bring it up here just to confirm. But, uh, yeah, he's 44th in points. Uh, Hussein from Kukotlum.
2: How this team can play with so little pride and passion on home ice in front of their own fans. The give a crap meter is so embarrassing. That is, uh, Hussein from Kukotlum. Um, this one says, Well, p- went from cringing at Jim Benning's media interviews to seriously cringing at bald Benning's media interviews. P.S. I'm bald, so I can say this. That's what one person texting and says. I mean, th- and I'm, I'm reading the good ones. Yeah. Like, I'm actually reading the good ones. Like, if you think these are the harsh ones, there are ones I can't read. But that's kind of the tenor of the messages coming in about Patrick Alvin tonight, after he was in After Hours.
4: Yeah, uh, this one. Nate from Comox. Pure comedy. How Alvin mentioned building brick by brick brick multiple times, and Rutherford mentioned pecking away when are people going to listen to what they say? They're never going to make big change. They're scared that they can't replace the talent. It's embarrassing. That yeah. is from Nate from Comox. I'm going to
2: read this one from Brant, Dan and Brentwood because I think he nails it here, uh, the overall point. When Rutherford was honest, everyone complains that he made it awkward for Boudreaux and the team. If Alvin comes out and says they're going to trade players, then he makes it weird around the team, lights the media fire, and, and shows his hand to other GMs, which weakens the trade potential. Obviously, he can't be forthcoming, it's just a waste of time to have an have him on Dan and Brentwood. The, the waste so of time. What to have no, him on? No, hey, the, people want to hear from leaders. They're accountable. This is the game, man. Honestly, half of the leadership is avail- availability. You know what I mean? Just are you available to answer questions? Mm-hmm. at least be available. How many times with the previous regime was there an absence of leadership? How much time? How many times did we talk about that? Like, who's answering to this? At least these guys are available. It's Rutherford, Alvin. They're constantly available. That that's something that's happening. But to Dan's point. Rutherford got roasted for being overly critical. Unless you make changes and change his team, Bic, I don't think it matters what these guys say. Because until things change, everything can be interpreted negatively or positively, but especially negatively. And until we see a different roster, I think whether they come out and they're honest or whether they come out and they're coy, the fan reaction is going to be the same thing. Rutherford got roasted on our text inbox after he went after Boudreaux. People talk about how classless that was and
4: how he shouldn't be going after Boudreaux. Back to being stuck. And again, that's why if you're this management group and you're stuck for for the here and now, at some point this will become unstuck. But are you willing to absorb that negativity and that fire? And do you have the constitution to deal with that and still see the logic through it all?
2: Uh, We'll get to more of your reaction on the other side. There's one text that has it figured out. Uh, We'll read that text that has it figured out, and we'll also get some more player reaction after the Canucks lose 5-1. It's Sat and Vic on the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in B.C., only on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Now for Kyle Connor. Again to Morrissey. Quickly to center. Onto the right wing for Dubois. Trying to get around Lazard to the front of the back and pass it for the slot for Connor. He scores! Kyle Connor in the middle of the ice with a clean wrist shot that beats Spencer Martin, and the Jets get a power play goal to take a 1 0 lead.
2: And the Jets did not look back, winning 5 1 going away. Here at Rogers Arena over the Vancouver Canucks, and this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Dunbar Lumber 650-650. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll play some audio here from, from Quinn Hughes and also Lane Peterson, who made his debut as a Vancouver Canuck here uh, this evening in the 5-1 loss. But we mentioned somebody has the answer. They figured out why the Canucks have been struggling so much. Pray tell, it says unsigned, and the reason they have to keep it unsigned is because it's an anonymous source. I figured it out. The players are not getting paid. Team checks are bouncing. (laughs) Oh, no! Just a joke. That's that's jokes for sixty. We like. We said send the jokes for sixty in. We're trying to have fun with it. But yes, uh, that is not happening. That is not the issue. if anything, maybe maybe not getting paid would be more inspiring. Some of these games, like paid for performance, paid to play. Maybe, maybe if that was the case, you would have some more inspired performances on home ice. Game but. to game bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> work hard, work hard. Bonus line line change. Well, yeah, skate hard to change your line.
4: That i don't think, Like I know we talked about it with Brett. That was so evident tonight. So you see the Jets just so clean, the- so clean. The Jets look like that scene in Cool Runnings where they're practicing, like, getting into this sled. It's like, wow, look how clean they look. And the and, and the, the Canucks look like the day one yeah, down yeah. the hill. It's like, <laughs> they can't even get into the sled. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get, just, like, oh, completely out of sorts.
2: But honestly, like, and it's funny, like I joke with this with you all the time, I like, becoming an old hockey man by the day almost. Mm-hmm. Like, I just watched the Jets tonight. I was just, like, so impressed. And they didn't do anything special. Nothing special. Nothing special. There were moments when they
4: would back-check. <laughs> yeah, cool. They're back-checking. <laughs> Seriously. It was three Canucks would exit the zone ahead of them. Yeah. Kind of a three-on-two at the Canucks' blue line. And then by the time they get to the opposition blue line, it's a three-on-four. Just two guys hustling back. And two Canucks not, not skating with speed to generate an offensive chance. And time and time again, it just allowed like, – like that's what we talked about in speed through the neutral zone. Jets were able to a slow it down yeah. and then b get back with four or five guys across the blue line first, and it just makes life difficult for the Vancouver Canucks. It
2: does, and I
4: just I just
2: can't get over just how how poor the leadership is overall with the with this team on the ice because how these things are allowed to happen and they don't they don't
4: change like season to season. Forget, yeah, forget week to week. Like season to season And when this continually happens It's only a handful of people you're looking at Like Tyler Myers was here since the bubble Bo horvat has been here since the bubble Since the bubble JT. JT Miller, Brock Besser Like a, a lot of these guys As much as there's been changeover There's like seven, eight guys That have been here since the bubble And, and this is the thing And honestly, I, I know we, we talk about what that bubble experience was like, even if you go to the season, like they clung on to even get to that spot. Yeah, if there was another thirteen games played, would they have made the playoffs? Like the way that season was even trending was starting to show signs of slippage. Uh, of course it was. Towards and, the end it did, and the the, the the great acclaim. It's yeah, you were like a seven eight seed. It's it's not as if they carried some strong regular season into the bubble. The bubble was fun it was short term That's really about it like for all the people that are like oh you got to bring this guy back you got to do this like what's the thing that you're hanging on to is it those three playoff rounds is that it and that's one of the rounds it. where they had to play park the
2: bus hockey but they, i mean you know what i gave him credit for playing park the bus hockey cuz they did it well it, it, was, it was a sound well. strategy
4: in the moment and because you had to could, do it yeah
2: but that's not like it's not sustainable it's mm-hmm. not like hey this is you know a great way of playing hockey that's going to have success johnny Bubla says we need someone to bring them into the fire it, I'm gonna have my eyes rolled to the back of my head. I want some people that make the fire. How about no, that? Yeah. Well, um, last year, I lost it. People were like you know, they're like, oh, they're missing Mott. They need him to drag. I'm like, why do these guys always need somebody to drag them into the fire? What about the leaders of this team? What about the guys that are supposed to set the standard? The guys making the money, the guys wearing the letters on their jerseys. Why are they not setting the standard? Why are they not dragging a team into the fight? Why does it have to be a guy making 1.1 million and Tyler Mott coming in to inspire you? Give me a break. Like, I'm so done. I'm so done watching these guys and trying to be like maybe no no, like it's like it's it's completely inexcusable. And if you think this leadership group is gonna fix it, they're not. They're not. They've shown their they're showing their
4: asses. We know who they are. You know, like they are who they are. That's why we we talk about it. it's like, oh, Bruce is it's not even the same team sometimes. We can't figure this out. We don't need to spend any more time figuring this out. I don't need a, a quote from the coach or a quote from the general manager to confirm what this team is. This team is inconsistent. This team is irresponsible. This team, for large stretches, is unprofessional.
2: I'm mm-hmm.
4: oh, very much and, so. And, and there's there's frustrating nights, like tonight. Yeah, that's when you have poor habits. And 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 you don't key on specific details. Again, something as easy as line changes. Just work hard to get to the bench. When that stuff doesn't matter to you, why should the big picture stuff matter to you? Exactly, hundred percent.
2: 100%. Johnny says, you took the bait. <laughs> Listen, I-, I need to take something. That's what we're here for. I'm here, I'm here to give you something, s- some sort of performance here on the post games. you got to give you something uh, to-, to chew on. All right, uh, we've played some audio from uh, Bruce Boudreaux and Patrick Alvin. We- we've discussed all the trade stuff as well. We'll play some player audio in a second here. But people are also asking some specific questions about trades and Quinn Hughes. Like, what are we talking about here if Quinn Hughes is getting moved? I'm not expecting a Quinn Hughes trade. The only reason it came up is because Elliot Friedman before the game said the only untouchable is Elias Pettersson. and he also went on to say that they're not going to be looking to trade Quinn Hughes, but they're potentially open to it if a mammoth offer comes available. So it's like Tony Montana, the world, Chico, the world. and everything in it. Like that's <laughs> that's, that's a, really what we're talking okay, about. But let, let's let's talk about what a mammoth offer looks like. So I'd say I'd say the Canucks would want three major pieces. Yeah.
4: Three if, major if, pieces. If right now you look at Quinn Hughes and you say he's a top ten left-handed D-man, okay, and and you're trying to cash in on that asset, I better be getting three top twenty pieces, like three top twenty players in their position. Mm-hmm. If, if you're making me downgrade from Quinn Hughes, I need assurances in in multiple spots that I'm getting quality or at least high upside guys in in three spots. Yeah. Or one other top 10 player in their in their position. Or,
2: or yeah, what if, like for instance, people keep talking about New Jersey, New Jersey, New Jersey, because they have the Hughes brothers already.
4: And they would probably be willing to overpay.
2: Yeah, because just, of that.
4: Just for the marketing potential.
2: Now, I know people have pitched the, you know, Dawson Mercer, Alexander Holtz, and Simon Nemec, the right-hand defenseman, the top five pick that they had this year. You know, high, high value asset, of course. How about this? I'll pitch you one.
4: Uh, just on that one... Uh, yeah. I just want to answer this first. I really like Dawson Mercer as a player. In any reality, he become a top 15 center. Probably not. Well, then, if, if, if I already have a strike on that, then... And Alexander Holtz could be a goal-scoring winger. Is that is that a problem? No. And also, that's
2: another projection. And that's I projection. really like Simon Nemich. That's also a projection. Also projection. That's like two projections and a player that y- is relatively safe.
4: You better be getting some certainty if you're yeah.
2: making that level of trade. So... That's one you can throw out. What about Nemich and Nico
4: Heesher? That's probably closer. But like but would New Jersey even do that? That's your captain. Sure, but like that raises my eyebrows because you're talking because
2: also the thing to keep in mind is money in, money out. New mm-hmm. Jersey doesn't have a ton of cap space. They also have to sign guys next year. So if you're looking at adding a big salary, there has to be some something something coming back. Now, they have expirings. You can easily do that in one way or another. But if you want to make me think that's what I would want to see. And maybe that's too much. It could be. New Jersey looks maybe we have a two-way centerman that we, that's our captain. Simone Nemich could be a top-pairing right-hand defenseman. Why give up two for one? 100%. But why would Vancouver make that trade unless you're getting something along those lines? And I don't think they are unless they're getting something like that. And, hey, maybe I'll be proven wrong on it. And, again, this isn't to say, like, New Jersey should do this and I'm expecting New Jersey to offer he, and Nemich. But that's what I would want
4: to see if I'm moving Quinn Hughes. And I wouldn't settle for anything less than that. And, and that honestly... Like again, it raised my eyebrows because at least there's a bit more confirmation with that, a little bit more certainty, uh, with someone like Nico Hishir, who's you know on a track to become like a top twenty-ish center, and playing really strong defensive hockey, and he's locked in for a lot of years. But the reason why I want certainty is because you don't have an uncertain future with Quinn Hughes. Yeah. He's locked in until 2027. This isn't a Matt Kachuk s- scenario where it's like, next year he's going to be an RFA and we're going to have to figure this out. No, Quinn Hughes is locked in. So you better come big if you're going to call on about number 43. 100%. And Otherwise, like there, there's to me, there's no reason for you to have that
2: discussion. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, six fifty six fifty. 650 This team is going to make everyone in Vancouver need a therapist to deal with the emotional damage they've caused. I thought that's where we are. <laughs> We're <laughs> space. We're, it's safe space. Uh, Michelle says, thank you for your powerful truths and observations. Very much agreed. Cheers. Thanks, Michelle, for always listening and chiming in. Uh, our friend Pardeep, you guys see Horvat do his best impression of a Flamingo in front of Spencer Martin? Or was he doing his best Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, dodging pucks like Neo was dodging bullets? And we talked about that. And you will talk about commitment. Now, Brett Frestling, who we had on, to be fair, and I've been very critical of Bo tonight, and I didn't like his game. And I know he scored, but I didn't like how he played. We talked about the line changes, and I didn't, I didn't like that play either. In Brett, Brett Festerling, played in the league, he said it's a bit of a tough play because he's kind of caught no man's land a little bit. Yes, ideally you want to decide one way or another before the shot comes off. When you're kind of stuck there, it's it's kind of an in-between play, and it's hard to know exactly you know what your responsibility is in that play, what you're trying to accomplish. He, he was a bit more forgiving on it, but he also said... Like, uh, it's it's kind of on the line. It's on the borderline. And yeah. I just say, in a, in a game like this, when you're down two, like, why aren't you just throwing your body at the puck? We talk about leadership. Talk about will to yeah. win. We're like yeah. Why not? You're like Where is the heart? Like Where is it? You, where is it? You know, at the same We're, time. Where's the
4: sacrifice? Having said all that, Sat. Man, if I had uh, one year left on my deal and I was scoring a lot of goals and I have a big paycheck coming and the team's not committing to me and my trade future is kind of uncertain – yeah, what, what did you look yourself I, in the mirror and I, say if you did anything for them to commit to you before that? I, I, I might, I might uh, ease up on a shot.
2: What did you do to make sure they commit to you before it then? No, I know. No, I seriously. Know. But you know what I mean. Like it's like it's like, hey, Bo's hot now. Just I don't know. Put a statement that, that he's doing enough. everything
4: he can to help the team to win. Yeah.
2: it's just not good enough, and that's a story of the season. Just not good enough, and there are too many plays this year. Kind of, you know, you can give him the benefit, but what benefit of doubt do you give some a team that's mm-hmm. under five hundred after thirty games, and they started oh five and two. Have some of the worst differentials in the league. They're five, eight, and one on home ice. Like, what benefit of doubt? Mm-hmm. Multiple wha- five-one losses on home ice. Like, seriously, what what benefit of doubt should they be extended? Who should like, who should be extended mm-hmm. any benefit of doubt on this team right now? Patterson, who didn't play tonight, the one guy.
4: Luke Shen, that's really was. Yeah, about. sure, works hard. But yeah, right now they are uh, thirteen, fourteen, and three under five hundred, twenty-nine points, and. They very easily could have uh, top six lottery odds. Yeah. Very
2: easily. Very easily. Could very well happen. All right. Uh, we mentioned we get some player audio post postgame. Uh, we talk about a defenseman whose name has been out there today, but the reports we mentioned from Elliott Friedman, that is Quinn Hughes. Well, Quinn did pick up an assist tonight. Not enough. Canucks losing five one, but here hey, he cashed is. in on your yeah. uh, pregame prop. Hey, both of us did. Uh, Dan yeah. Riccio picked Kyle Connor. That cast right away. I said Morrissey and Hughes will get a point, and they did. You want to talk and about positives out of this hey, game? Hey, positives. So didn't Quinn, win fifty fifty, but uh, we we gave you something. Yeah. Say at least if you listen to us and, and and to our props, at least you come away with something instead of nothing. Like Denzel. From... Yeah, exactly. We're leaving <laughs> with something. That's what we promise you. I'm we're on like the way. I'm leaving with something. <laughs> <laughs> we're for, we're like Training Day. <laughs> All right. Uh, here is Quinn. Hughes talking about how they were the second best team tonight.
8: Yeah, definitely uh, Stanks, but you know, they were better than us tonight, and uh, that's all you can say right now. You don't seem to give a lot of room out there, do they? Especially to the inside. No, I mean, I don't know how many chances we had after the first two periods, so I think that's a credit to um, them and where they are in the standings, but yeah, they got a good team, and um, I don't think we played our best, but um, yeah.
3: What is it about home ice
8: this season? I'm not sure. It's a good question. I think we're asking the same question here. And um, obviously we want to be a team that's hard to play, hard to play against at home, and um, clearly we, we're not right now. And, um, you know, we say it in here, say the same things. You know, we go to Colorado and Calgary and Vegas and these buildings and play really good hockey and um, just got to find a way to do it here.
3: Why was it so difficult to
10: generate anything
8: uh, I think we just kinda uh break in the zone and um I mean that happens but um you know also I think uh you know the the power play guys in here expect a lot from each other and um obviously two power plays in the first and I don't think we had a shot on that and not good enough, yeah. How different
6: is it
8: so? No. Yeah, it's very different. I mean he's one of the best players in the league. Anytime you take a guy like that out of the lineup, I mean you're probably taking, you know, at least two, you know, grade A chances. Um, a game that he's creating and also in the D zone he's been you know probably you know just as good as anyone on our team um, so yeah he's obviously a vital part of the team and uh, take a guy out like that, it is you know you're going to miss him but at the same time like we still have a lot of good players in here where uh, we got to play better than that I, I enjoyed playing with him I think he's um, played really good and we're moving pucks well together and I thought the first 40 we were great together, and then you know, down three, nothing, pressing a bit. But um, I thought he's he's played really good. Yeah, very, very, very good player. Yeah.
2: That is Quinn Hughes after a five-one loss for the Canucks on home ice, their eighth regulation loss on home ice so far this season. And uh, it is time now to bring in the closer, the man we call the triple threat. The man does it does it all. You see him on TV, you hear him on radio, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> we're on it. I'm not
10: worthy. <laughs> you get it. You still get the intro. Uh, worthy. It's cold in here tonight. The heater's not on. Oh, I think the you, uh, yeah. I think you, the you've got you've got. Well, the takes uh, were so hot. We just. <laughs> you've got no producer. Is it, what do you call, Cam? Cam. I mean not what you call Cam, but what do you call the, executive the, the position of what he does uh, there? Uh, so uh, the executive board.
2: producer, also uh, boss. So I guess maybe no
10: producer on site, no heater on site. <laughs>
2: we call him the guy.
10: No Canucks on site.
2: No Canucks on site. Uh, the the um, general manager met with uh, met with uh, Scott Oak post game. Uh, You're going to have to
10: tell me everything he said. He didn't he really say didn't anything. Miss
2: much. Didn't say okay. anything. It was nine minutes of talk without saying anything. It was Patrick Alvine. It was Patrick Alvine, <laughs> Yeah, which has a lot of people upset because he didn't say anything. So you know how that goes. But the reality is, the Canucks another listless performance on home ice. And for all the talk about change, there's nothing on the horizon that we're, you know, going to see here. It, it really does feel like Groundhog Day a lot, doesn't it? I know, that, you know, they won a lot more recently. They're kind of flirting with 500 and everything. But the same game stories being repeated time and time again on home ice.
10: What is it the big says about that? It's, you use it for the Seahawks. Every oh, game, applies.
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every game is different. Every game is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't,
10: doesn't that explain it? kind of does, doesn't not, it? But not by the game. Not every game is the same. But every week is the same. Yeah. There we they, go. They the sp- the storyline
2: ends up the same. Yeah,
10: they they have a chance tonight to get back above – I say back above. Get above 500. They haven't mm-hmm. been above 500. No. They have a chance to go above 500. They've had it
2: twice this season.
10: And they don't so much fall backwards as leap there <laughs> <laughs> willingly. Like, they, they just um, – you know, as as people have pointed out, people on the team, they just didn't look like the team that they were in Calgary. And, it, and it's impossible to to explain. They can't explain it. We try to explain it, but they can't explain it. You know, Ethan Bear, I had a conversation with him on my own briefly after the game. And, you know, he's pretty astute and he's, he's to the point and remember, he came. It wasn't a happy year for him in Carolina, mm-hmm. but he saw a winning team, and he was part of a, yeah. a team that won a lot of games. Just like, you know, Curtis Lazar saw what a winning team looked yeah. like in Boston and, and uh, Luke Shen, you know, prior to that. A- and the message is, is the same and what, what from all of them. And, and what, uh, what he Bear said was, you know, the game is won along the boards and in front of the net. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, and he pointed out how you know uh, the Canucks right now they'll uh, a player will make a good play to advance the puck but then the next guy doesn't mm-hmm. and now the puck's coming back and so it ends up you're constantly under stress instead of the stress being in the other team's end because mm-hmm. you've advanced the puck over their blue line and forced them to turn and get mm-hmm. it and play while under duress and play under stress and under, and under pressure. And there's a sameness. That's why I say, you know, mm-hmm. stealing no. Bicks line. There's a sameness when the Canucks fail mm-hmm. that it looks l- exactly like it looked like tonight. Now, they've, they've actually played far worse than what they played tonight because they didn't, they didn't yield as much defensively. They they still gave up too much, but yeah. they didn't yield as much as they have in in some of these games where it's just you know two on one after two on one mm-hmm. after two on one. It wasn't like that, but they had nothing in the offensive zone, mm-hmm. and as to, you know, Bear's point about, you know, winning the front of the net, they won some battles in front of their net. I don't think they won any in front of the other net. The goals no. the goals on a power play tip from. Way
4: up high in the slot, like And and honestly, like Winnipeg was kinda coasting even just trying to close out on some of that. Yeah. I mean it, it's, it's Connor Hallibuck had a pretty easy night.
10: <laughs>
2: I don't think the Canucks
10: knew who was in net <laughs> for the Jets. Didn't get close enough to
2: read the nameplate Could have
10: been Daniel Beauregard <laughs> or Pokey Reddick.
2: <laughs> it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody.
10: It could have been Kevin Woodley.
3: Well, let's well, okay. well, well, not get carried away.
10: <laughs> I, I need Kevin over on the press box so I can ask him goaltending questions. Yeah. Was that a good goal? Yeah. yeah. Explain this one to me. But it just, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's like a team that can't, that can't stand prosperity, and and maybe part of the catch-22 on that is because when they do sense prosperity, they just stop playing. Yeah. You know. I mean, my goodness, they had 40 terrific minutes in Calgary. Why why would you need to play <laughs> another game after that? A- that and they that... had one, They had won four of their previous yeah. five. You know, they're on a, a bit of a roll, but certainly not at home. The other thing that, that Bear said, and I didn't have a chance to really, you know, f- uh, flesh this out with him and, and know exactly what he meant, but he said, we've got to stop having fun and just get to work. Mm. And I think... My guess is that's kind of what he's alluding to. Like it it's too pleasant yeah. around the team for being five hundred. And and there's too much satisfaction with having pulled themselves to the cusp of the playoff race. They're not right now. The you know game below five hundred. I don't care what the points say. You're not in the playoff race when you when you're below five hundred. But whatever the point, say, it, it's, it, there's starting to be some separation, right? So, you know, the, stop
4: having so much fun and get to work. You know, we've heard Bruce use the phrase scared to lose as well. Like a night like tonight, I just look at it and it's like, forget the result. They're scared to compete mm. and get involved. And before you even worry about wins and losses, like you got to solve that part before anything.
10: Yeah, I don't know. Wh- I don't know why they shouldn't be scared to compete, uh, but like, because there's no stress to competing. The stress, absolutely. W- when you're afraid to lose or, or you're, you're afraid of winning, that's because you know you're thinking about the result and and there's pressure and there's fear. Shouldn't be anything about but, competing.
4: But by minute four, did the result feel in question tonight? Like you, you want a, a pushback shift after that early goal? It was nothing.
10: No, the shots were ten-one.
4: Yeah, mind you, there were a lot of shot
10: attempts. You could have a whole. We could do a show on uh, empty Corsi calories. Yes, very empty galleries. And, and about, you know, how Corsi without context is useless.
2: One hundred percent. But now, I know, maybe I'm trying too hard to find the descriptor, and maybe it's just a negative descriptor. But they're I wouldn't say they're arrogant because I find at least the arrogance would be more successful. I think to some degree, unless it's just kind of like. Is it hubris to some degree? Maybe that's the word. No, like, I think it's just naive. Is it naive? But but that shows immaturity, or doesn't foolishness it? Or foolishness would foolishness. be a, a less generous so, way of putting it. So I say, so I say we do we put it towards foolishness, naivety slash immaturity. Like is that what it is then? Well, is that the, it, is that the I, grouping? I don't like
10: the word immaturity because uh, although who it was, J T Miller used yeah. that about the team earlier yeah. this year. I I don't. It's it's not that it doesn't apply, but it implies that. They have so much, so many young, inexperienced players mm. that they can't do this. Like that's part of the reason right. they're just too young and inexperienced. And that's that's not the case. No, you know they have enough older players to offset those those younger players. I don't think it's arrogance. I just think it's and let's we'll try to be generous naivety because they've never been a, a winning team, but mm. for. You know, that bubble magic in Edmonton. And, yeah, they won a lot of games in the second half last season under Boudreau. But we all know that it was garbage time. And yeah. on some level, they should know that as well. So uh, I think it's a team that doesn't know how to win, hasn't figured out what it takes to actually string together, uh, not just, oh, we played well for two games, but play well for 20 you know, yeah. and very few teams play well for 20. But uh, the good teams out of 20, they maybe only play poorly twice. Yeah. And maybe they have some other nights where they scuffle, but they do enough. And maybe they play well for, you know, 12 to 14 of those 20. That's what they need to get to. Instead, it's play well for a couple and, oh, maybe we got it figured out. Yeah. And as soon as you think you gotta got to figure it out, that's when you're going to have a, a game that looks like tonight.
4: It just feels like, like, this is who they are, right? They're they're, they're going to be inconsistent. They're going to be wild swings. And when it's riding high, it can ride high. When it's peak, it's going to look like it did tonight. And we were kind of just talking, okay, what is the next wave then? What's the next era of Canucks? And at the same time, it just it just feels stuck right now. I, I, I'm i not even sure if the solutions that yeah, are presented it, to the management are good solutions right now.
10: Yeah, the, it feels stale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've used that word to describe... Uh, typically regimes, uh, but sometimes lineups or rosters. And there's been a lot of turnover. Like if, you know, people think that Alveen and Rutherford haven't really done anything. Well, they haven't done anything at the top. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot, uh, eight or nine players, I think, in in the last year. Right, but it's all fringe pieces. Right, but there's still eight or nine players. But there's a staleness to just the group. Well, it just shows the core is the problem, doesn't it? Well... I hesitate to agree with you because, you know, if you're building a team, having Miller, Horvat, Pedersen, Hughes, Demko, mm-hmm. that should be really good. Yeah. You know, that should be a good core on which you can build. But it just feels like the the, the tone or, or the mood or the the aura yeah. <laughs> around the team. There's it's, a word it's for just, it, yeah. It's just stale. The values you know, are it's, bad; it's, they're not good. <laughs> there's a sameness to to all of this, and I I, I wonder where they're going mm-hmm. as well. I mean, the it it's going to be up to Rutherford and Alvine. but again, I, I I and I'm not letting anyone off the hook by pointing out the obvious. I think there's been six trades mm-hmm. since the season started. A- and, three of them, and the and the most <laughs> significant trade yeah. was Ethan Bear. Yeah. Unless I'm missing one. Bick, am I missing one? No. I mean, some of the trades have guys that uh, Minor aren't, leaguers aren't even yeah. in the NHL. Yeah. So, you know, the idea that you're going to change this on the fly, uh, I think, is is also naive unless you want to make a whole bunch of mistakes. And if you make mistakes trading core players, yeah. you're, not, you're talking about years. Somebody else is going to have to fix your mistake. Because if you trade away, you know – Quinn Hughes, let's just say a name, and I don't really think Quinn Hughes is on the trading block. Mm -hmm. He's a guy that they have to keep and will keep. But you make a a trade a player like that, and this is why they have to be so careful with with what they do with Bo. And in the end, uh, they're going to be dealing from a position of weakness because Bo can leave. Yeah. Right? So they have to make a deal. They can't They can't wait. You know they were in a position of strength last year with J.T. Miller. They didn't have to trade J.T. Miller at the deadline because they had mm-hmm. potentially this season to work that out. Well, they're running out of time on on Bo. But if you get that trade wrong, you're you're not going to recover from that. You're going to have you're going to have to have some home runs somewhere else if you get a Bo Horvat trade wrong, and yeah. that's one that they're going to have to do in season. I think a lot of this stuff they're they're going to have to you know look at it after the season yeah. and i don't think it's even because they necessarily think that this group uh you know somehow if they leave it alone can yeah find a game and, and make the playoffs i think i think if nothing else rutherford and Alvin have been fairly pragmatic in their observations about the deficiencies and, and yeah. where the team has to get better but it's just so hard and seems to get harder every year because more teams are closer to the cap. I think teams also get a b- better understanding of how much um, how much it, it, it impedes you taking on bad money. So if you want Brock Besser for this season, that's one yeah. thing, but do you want Brock Besser for the next two if he's not going to turn it around? Well, you can take a shot at maybe he turns around this year, but if he doesn't, then you're stuck the next mm-hmm. two. Teams just have a better understanding now of the dangers of of taking on term and giving up draft picks which is what you know most teams want uh, when they make these deals so it, it's it's really tough to do things in season but they're gonna have to do things whether it's in season or out of season they just can't you know it's just can't be the same uh all the time
2: no I mean the, the changes need to happen the question is the timeline of those and We've got to wait a bit longer, it seems like. He's Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. Great work, as always. He's Bick Nazar. Listen to him on the People Show, back at it again on the postgame show on Monday when the Canucks are back at it here at Rogers Arena. I'm Satyar Shaw back at Canuck Central with Dan Richo on Monday and also on the postgame show here as well. Thanks to you listening. Thanks to Canberra, Ben Bastron back at the station, and all of you for being part of the Canucks post postgame show. On the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.